0: Who gives a crap? Hmm. Yeah, that's not really appropriate. Oh, stuff it. Let's go with it anyway.
1: Welcome to the Small Business Big Marketing Show, where successful small business owners share their secrets
0: to take your marketing to the next level. Now, here's your host, Tim Reid. Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Australia's number one marketing show and forum. I am your host, timbo Reed, but you right there walking the dog working out in gym lying in bed commuting to work possibly are a motivated small business owner ready to crank out some great marketing and that is how we roll around here big show got a listener question how to find people to interview got a toilet paper seller as my guest to interview huh haven't said that before Got a forum update, some good stuff going on inside there, amongst other motivated small business owners, and of course, marketing quote of the week. Let's get stuck right in.
1: Small Business Big Marketing with Tim Reed.
0: Small Hey, how are you going? Just out of interest. I still have my arm in plaster. I still have it in a sling. I am still working very slowly. That's because I'm recording this episode pretty much straight after same day I recorded the last week's episode. So not not much has changed. I have nothing to report, but what I have found is that it has slowed me down having my right arm in plaster, and it's been a really good thing. I'm just getting stuff done that I wouldn't have um, I wouldn't have done otherwise. So uh, as I said last week, just been on the phone a lot, been recording stuff. Uh been I cleaned out my wardrobe. <laughs> One armed wardrobe clean out. But it was good. How's your week been? You're winning? It's getting close to Christmas, close to the end of the year. You're panicking about next year? You're feeling good about next year. I am going to guess if you're listening to this show you're feeling good about next year. I hope so. Big year. Don't know why? Feels good. Feels good that 2015 is approaching and that good things are going to happen to us all. I can't promise or guarantee any of that, but that's just how I feel, and I hope you do too. If you don't, maybe offload some of the stuff. Identify what's making you feel that way and offload it, you know? Delete it, delegate it, or do it. Just made that up. Quite like that. That could be my marketing quote of the week. It won't be. Maybe there'll be two in this show, and that's the first one. But just checking in to see how you are. Uh, I am feeling very excited. Summer's here for us uh, Southern Hemisphere types. Winter's there for the you Northern Hemisphere types, so you're pretty cold over in the States and other parts of the world, but we're about to sort of all head down the beach. Kind of happy about that. Anyway, just checking in before we do get in to the guts of the show. So let's do that right now. Let's do a listener question. Jacob Johnson, that's this fellow's name. He hasn't got a business. Well, he probably has, but he's used a Hotmail email address. So I can't give you any little kind of push, little promotion, Jacob, except to say thank you. He says, hey, Timbo, love your show, mate. Just started listening to it. Where you been, Jacob? This is, I'm in it's sixth year, fifth year, something like that. I've had a great idea for a podcast. Nice work, Jacob. And looking to get started, the idea for the podcast has come out of my own struggles and I want to be able to help others as well. Well, already Jacob, your podcast is going to be a success because it's coming from a place of struggle. It's coming from a problem that you've had you have that you have chosen to solve. So, uh, well done, mate. Get in get amongst it. He goes on to say, my passion is to try to help people get careers started. I'm looking to fill a gap. What I envision, good, fill a gap. That is a good thing, hey? If a gap exists, that means it needs filling. So good on you for identifying that. What I envision is to interview hiring managers and recruiters about what you can do to show you're qualified for a position if the requirements for that position are not on your in your formal work background. Okay, cool. Nice premise for the for a podcast. Nice niche. Jacob then says where I'm having trouble, Timbu, is I can't seem to figure out how to locate the hiring managers and recruiters to interview on my podcast. Any help would be appreciated. I said in last week's episode, uh, advice to a listener, don't make things bigger than they are. This is not a big one, Jacob. It may seem big in your mind trying to identify guests to interview and find them, but you'll be surprised at just how easy it is if you really lean into it, mate. Uh, If I were you, um, I'm going to guess you've got some contacts, mate. And if you don't have a direct contact with a recruiter or a hiring manager... You may well know someone who does. So on the LinkedIn premise that there is six degrees of separation between you and anyone else in the world, work on that premise. Knock on doors, ask people if they know a hiring manager or if they know someone who knows a hiring manager, that type of thing. I'd also get on LinkedIn and I'd get on Facebook and put the call out, Jacob, to people saying, hey, listen, starting a podcast. I want to interview hiring managers and recruiters. Anyone know any? That'd be a good thing. Don't just take anyone though. Be selective, even though you're just getting a show off the ground. Be selective. Once you've got your first guest, Jacob, at the end of that interview, after you've stopped recording, say, hey, listen, you know what my show's all about now. You got a sense for it? Is there anyone in your network you think that I should interview and ask for a warm introduction to that person? So it's not as hard as you think, Jacob. You'll be surprised at how quickly you get the momentum. I encourage you to get the podcast up. It sounds like a great idea for a podcast. I also encourage you not just to be the interviewer, but to add some value around your interviews. Listen to questions, opinions, editorials, commentary, that type of stuff. Mate, Jacob, Jacob Johnson, I wish you all the luck with it. Go get them. Hey, uh, quick word from sponsors. This show is brought to you by the very good folk at 99 Designs and Net Registry. We can't do it all ourselves, team, this marketing caper. You've got a business to run. So, cash flow allowing, and let me introduce you to two inexpensive ways of getting some marketing done, then I'd be passing it over. Now, 99designs is a competition-based website, a contest, I should say, based website, where you simply post a design brief, could be for a brochure, a car wrap, a book cover, um, signage, business cards, whatever, and you post that design brief, nominate some prize money, hundreds of dollars, not thousands of dollars, and designers from all over the world respond to your brief with finished low-res designs for you to see. Not proposals, but designs. You review those designs, you shortlist it, you work with your shortlist. The end of seven days, you pick a winner, they release the high-res designs to you, and you release the prize money to them. Got to love that. And you can get your design competition boosted to the top of the page, and you'll get a whole lot more designers responding by using this link, 99designs.com forward slash SBBM. And that'll give you a $99 upgrade and 185% on average, more designs being submitted. Hey, uh, and also net registry, get your online marketing sorted over there. They do domain names, they do website hosting, design development, search engine optimization. And anything really to sort your online footprint out, which I know troubles a lot of small business owners, you know? You are who Google says you are, and you want to make sure that your online footprint is significant. Beyond your website, you've got a bit of pay-per-click advertising happening, bit of social media, you know, you've got your SEO sorted. You are getting found for keyword searches, all that type of stuff. So that's the folk that's what the folk at Net Registry do. Head over to netregistry.com.au and Tell them Timbo sent you. All right, let's get stuck into today's guest, and I'll give you a very exciting forum update after the interview as well. Uh, Just uploaded some really cool training to the forum, uh, which I think, if you're not a member, will give you good reason to join. Now, today's guest, Simon Griffiths, social entrepreneur, toilet paper seller, hey, Never said that on the show before, probably never say it again. So here's the thing, Lena Van Ray of bikeandblend.com.au hit me up a few months ago with, uh, she sent me some free toilet paper from Simon's Business, which is Who Gives a Crap? Now you've got to love that name, don't you? And I had put a smile on my dial and, and Lena accompanied the toilet paper with a lovely note. She said, I love listening to your podcasts. There's marketing gold dripping from the ceiling. She says, I reckon you should interview Simon from Who Gives a Crap. Uh, He sells toilet paper, which comes with 1,200% more puns than normal toilet paper. He donates 50% of their profits to fund sanitation projects around the world in developing countries. He's got a passion for helping people. He must be a good guy then. Uh, and it is an opportunity for you, Timbo, to exercise your toilet humor and dad jokes. No, she doesn't say that, but certainly is. I was pretty good, though. I tried to just kind of, you know, keep a lid on it. (laughs) Sorry. Um, So I did contact Simon. And he's a very interesting fellow. Let me share some of his bio with you. I do like speaking to these social entrepreneur types. They're they're always so motivated. Simon gave up a a dream job offer in 2007, moved to Australia from South Africa, and got immersed in um, uh, the kind of social entrepreneurship side of things. He um, has since launched three social businesses, all focused on revolutionizing the way society thinks about and engages in philanthropy. Kind of interesting. His flagship business is Who Gives a Crap? But he also owns um, a pub, a social, I guess, what would you call a so Well, all pubs are social, aren't they? But uh, it's a pub in Melbourne called Shebeen. S-H-E-B-E-E-N. It sells exotic beers and wines from developing countries and, um, and donates the profits back to causes in those countries. But I'm here to talk poo tickets. I'm here to talk toilet paper and how he's saving the world one shoot at a time. It's an interesting conversation. Let's get stuck right in. And I started by asking Simon one of those big, big questions. Do you hang your toilet paper over or under?
1: <laughs> We're always over. It's ah. definitely the right way. Is it really? <laughs> it is, yeah. Why? Um, it's how it's, it's. actually how it's designed. So this is something that <laughs> never gets brought up. But never. If you look at the way that... Um, traditionally, um, toilet paper gets embossed. The emboss on the outside um, is the, the the side that's designed for consumption, essentially. And um, if you hang the roll the wrong way, then you can get the wrong side of the emboss facing upwards. <laughs> and you, w- you wouldn't
0: want that? <laughs> no. Clearly, the emboss has some functional reason for being too, beyond design.
1: Yeah, so the emboss holds the sheets together is the, um, is the fundamental... Wow purpose of it
0: yeah not only we're going to cover a whole lot of toilet humor in this discussion Simon but we're actually going to uh we're going to learn some stuff we never even thought was important (laughs) extraordinary which I'm sure you have becoming a toilet paper manufacturer but before we get into that two TEDx talks mate are you the only person who have taken their pants off on the TEDx stage?
1: <laughs> I believe I I believe I am actually. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, under that, that's is kind of a Guinness book of record type thing or something, I don't know. Good. Yeah, well,
1: you know, someone had to do it. You've got to you've got to figure out a way to to get your hits up on <laughs> your talk and that seemed like a good one.
0: <laughs> it's funny, you know, it's funny how my show works. I had uh, John Yo uh on last week, uh, who is the co- the curator of TEDx Melbourne and one of the TEDx kind of uh, dignitaries around the world uh and i the week before had um, a guy Christian Smith who raised exceeded his crowdfunding project by over six thousand eight hundred percent so and we 're going to talk about both those things today, so um kind of weird how the world turns <laughs> now um Let's get stuck in. I'm I'm keen to understand before we talk about who gives a crap toilet paper. Um, here we go. Why were you busting to become a social entrepreneur? Oh, I get I get so accused of dad jokes, so we we'll just roll with it, okay? <laughs>
1: no, all good. I didn't even that one just slid straight through. It wasn't good wasn't even on the radar. <laughs> right. Um. So um, I guess yeah. For me, um. You know the, the long kind of version of the story, which I'll try and keep short, mm. is that um, I studied engineering and economics at the University of Melbourne. But I was actually born and brought up um, initially in London. Then my family moved to Perth, and I was quite young, mm. so I moved from Perth to Melbourne to study. And um, realised pretty quickly as a you know a number crunching economist that um, it was cheaper for me to spend all of my holidays in Southeast Asia than it was to go back to Western Australia to yeah, see well. my family. <laughs> Um, and so basically, I spent three or four months of every year living, traveling, doing development work in different parts of the developing world. And um, like so, so you had season, a social
0: conscience, like going through uni, and as a young guy, you kind of um, – a holiday for you wasn't going to line a beach in Bali.
1: Yeah, that's it. So I was really fascinated by kind of, um, yeah, everyday way of life in the developing world. Um, and there was certainly a bit of beach lying going on as well. I'm not going to mm. deny that. <laughs> But um, you know, but what, I really what, what would you that? do?
0: Would you go and build a house for a, a, a family in Cambodia, or what would you do?
1: It was a bit of a mixed bag, and to be honest, it all started out relatively haphazardly. But I guess I was really interested in um, the way of life in quite rural areas of initially Southeast Asia, and so I was kind of fascinated by um, you know how once you crossed a border from one country to another. Everything changed all of a sudden and where you saw that the most was typically out in, um, you know, once you got out of the cities, you'd start to see how quickly it shifted from more of an urban environment into a rural environment and then um, where you kind of see the most poverty in the developing world is definitely in the rural areas and that was kind of where I guess I was naturally interested. I'm I'm still not really sure why. It was something that I was just fascinated by and it wasn't um, something that I necessarily acknowledged and, and, you know, thought about, but it was, I guess... uh, um, a really kind of um natural interest for me yeah.
0: daniel flynn who uh a counterpart of yours from the brand thank you and thank you water talked about a moment in his life when he he saw the number of bottles of bottled water that were sold annually versus the number of people that were without clean water annually and for him that was a moment where he had to do something about it have you got one of those um, I think, yeah, the, the
1: kind of the really big eye-opening moment for me was when, um, you know, as I said, I was in and out of the developing world a lot while I was at university and, and beforehand as well. Um, and I realised that I'd sort of been in the developing world for a period of about 10 years, going back quite often to the same places. And I hadn't visually observed any changes in the level of poverty that I had seen in that time. And to me, that didn't really seem right um, because you know, obviously, we talk about solving these issues, and um, there's a lot of a lot of organisations out there that work in this space. I would have thought that visually you'd be able to observe, you know, a pretty significant shift over a ten-year period. Mm-hmm. And so I, I looked at the numbers, and I found that yeah, you know, we're certainly doing things. Like I saw that adult literacy um, over that te- that ten-year period had improved from about 759 million illiterate adults. Um, up to, um, sorry, it had improved from about 850 to 750 million illiterate adults. So a very big improvement over that 10-year period. But a long way to uh, go. Exactly, a huge mm. long way to go. So yeah. I think I did the maths and worked out that if we continued improving at the same rate, it wouldn't be until about 2085 that we'd achieve global
0: literacy. So very, and- very economist. The economist have you got the better of you? <laughs>
1: yeah and and you know and that's not just literacy it's the same with sanitation which won't be achieved until about 2080 mm-hmm. and lots of other issues as well so we talk about solving these social issues but the reality is that they're not being solved very quickly and the, for the me ma- that's kind of what got me yeah. okay
0: so the majority of us see the numbers uh i'll put my hand up for that one and don't do anything about it um was there a moment? Was it like were you on a toilet at the back of you know <laughs> Southeast Asia? And you know what, what? was there something um, beyond the I numbers?
1: Guess, yeah, no. It really was kind of this very gradual journey for me, which is right. quite interesting because I think for a lot of people it is that that moment where they have that epiphany. And certainly, you know, coming to the Who gives a crap" idea was a slow journey. But the actual idea itself was. One of those quarter-second epiphanies where I walked into the bathroom, saw a six-pack of toilet paper sitting there and said, right, that's it. We work with WaterAid. We fund sanitation projects. We sell environmentally-friendly toilet paper. And we call it Who Gives a Crap? And I walked out of the bathroom, called three friends, and they all said, you've got to do it. It's a really good
0: idea. You know, the name alone, sometimes I was kind of putting my my feet in your shoes earlier when I was thinking about this interview. And like the name Who Gives a Crap, you just go, yep. There's there's an idea there. It's a funny name, but it it just it marries the social conscience with a gag, and it's relevant to a product in toilet paper. (laughs) You know, like it just it's just like I get it. Like it's like if you were going to Hollywood and selling a film, that line would work. You know, be a weird film. (laughs) (laughs) Like, but yeah. So you had that epiphany. uh, Where was the toilet out of interest? Always, you know, where'd where'd that uh, one happen?
1: That one was in Fitzroy North in a share house that I was living in right. uh, back okay. in 2010. Yeah. You're
0: so Gen Y. <laughs> share house, North Fitzroy, social entrepreneur. Bet you got a beard.
1: <laughs> oh, Of course. <laughs> what would I be doing with that one? <laughs>
0: <laughs> correct, correct. So um, again, before we get stuck into who gives a crap because that will be fun, but um, you became a social entrepreneur. You put aside the universe. Did you finish uni?
1: I did, yeah. I, okay, I, but I, I spent six and a half years at uni, so um, there was obviously a lot of other stuff going on at the same time, and, and yeah. you know this journey for me really began while I was there. So
0: okay, yeah. and then you got you got the big job from memory at McKinsey's. You knocked it back. You go, no, 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 I am going to save the world instead, and you came up. I don't know, you came up with it, but this consumer-driven philanthropy concept, which is where you believe that um, us consumers can be philanthropists at the same time and it shouldn't be just left to the Bill Gates and Warren Buffetts of the world, yeah?
1: Yeah, and I guess the idea there is that we're creating a new channel for people to engage in philanthropy. So instead of, um, particularly from an organisational point of view that's receiving donations, they're not just relying on donations coming from that single donation market. Now they're starting to be able to attract funds from um, you know, the trillions of dollars that change hands in the economy as well as the, the donation market. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, yeah, what it's all about.
0: So, what, consumer-driven philanthropy is—is is that about every business having a social uh, an, an aspect of it that is a social enterprise, or are you a social enterprise, or you're a, a for-profit business?
1: Um, I think the the idea is that it's showing that it's possible to do business in a different way, and I don't think necessarily that every business should be a social enterprise, but um, there's certainly scope for every business to think about what they're doing in terms of what their social footprint looks like. Um, and then the flip side of that is for the consumer that you know every time you go and spend money, you're essentially voting in one way or another. And so it's often an aggregation of these small decisions that we make as consumers that mm-hmm. can end up making the, the, the biggest difference. So if you think a little bit more and a little bit deeper about every dollar that you spend, then you can actually make a huge amount of impact through your everyday decisions.
0: Are you seeing that um, that's a really strong consumer insight that you've you've shared there. And do you see that being across generations? Or like I, I reflect on when I was when when I was a young kid, you know, like ten, my concern was the Cold War. That dates me, so I'm forty seven, right? I yep. talk to my kids now who are young to middle teenagers, and their concern is the environment, is the state of the planet climate change and all that that's their number one concern what give us your insight into your how old are you late 20s um i'm 30 early 30s 30 so so what 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 are people of that age thinking when it comes to choosing which brands to buy
1: i think you know environment's definitely a big consideration but we've certainly sort of seen that that green revolution happen Mm. and i think now we're certainly seeing like this um, you know, a layer deeper more into the, the social space, so looking at um, how things are produced, what that means for the environment, but also the, the workers that are part of that process mm. and probably the country where it's coming from as well. Um, so, people are starting to go deeper. They're looking at what's on the back of the packs, looking up where inputs are sourced from, how they're you know, fed into the production cycle, who's part of that production cycle, mm. Um, even how they're transported across countries is, is becoming something that's more relevant to consumer choices. And this is, this is increasing and it's only going to continue increasing. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, I think people becoming more engaged with, with products that they're buying. And this certainly isn't every single consumer out there, but there's um, a very big segment of the market that's thinking in this way. And it's certainly growing over time.
0: I like uh, one of the TED talks, TEDx talks that I watched you in. You talked about for a long time we've always looked for that. Inter- we, consumers, have looked for that intersection between price and quality, and, and we'll, that's where we buy. That's the sweet spot. You've introduced that kind of third. It was a vector, it was a vector diagram, actually. I had to look up what that meant, but uh, my son goes, that's a vector diagram there, Dad. What are you looking at one of them for? <laughs> um, but you'd introduced this third circle, which was um, uh, pr- products that do good. So it's like mm. price, quality, products that do good. The sweet spot in the middle there is is where, um, if you're selling something that that ticks that those three boxes, you you're doing okay.
1: Yeah, and you you do have to get the price and the quality piece of it right. You know, if if they're not right, then you're not going to have a sustainable product in the long term. Mm. But certainly, you can start to use that that doing good piece to influence the way that that people will look and and interact with
0: and, and buy your product. So. Uh, we're talking about consumer-driven philanthropy. You've you, you got to have quality. I mean, you can't sell a, um, a socially conscious product that is poor quality. So you've got to tick the quality box. You can't be excessively priced. And you talk about not selling on guilt. Mm.
1: Yeah, uh, the, the motivation there is that um, certainly when we started, and this has, um, I think, changed a lot over the last five years, but a lot of kind of transactions in the in the social space, and particularly when you're, people were trying to motivate a donation to a, um, an NGO or a nonprofit, they were using kind of um, guilt to, I guess, drive that that um, transaction to take place, mm-hmm. and the feedback that we were getting from people was that they were really sick of having that kind of that guilt jerked out of them and, and used in a way to make them feel like they had to do something. Yep. And so we said, well, what if you could achieve all of the same outcomes but motivate the sale through something that's different to guilt? And for who gives a crap, that's really about using this kind of fun and irreverent brand that still has all of those you know um, important outputs going on, You know, still doing all of these great things, but we're not selling it based on um, images of a starving child or mm. or something along those lines. We're selling it based on this being a really good product that um, is designed by people who look at things a bit differently.
0: Mate, you're selling um, it on humour.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, it's a strong personality at least. I mean, it might not be the fundamental platform that you're selling it on, but there's a wonderful, it's got a wonderful irreverence about it and, and humour. So let's talk about who gives a crap toilet paper. Uh, what is it? And we kind of explained how it came about, but what is it? So essentially, it's
1: just an environmentally friendly toilet paper that we sell here in Australia, and we use half of our profits to build toilets in the developing world.
0: Okay. All right. So uh, explain that model. So 50% of your profits get picked up, and, and how does that work? Do you have, yeah, how do you do that? Where's the money go?
1: So at the moment we work with WaterAid as our sole beneficiary and basically what happens is we, um, at the end of the financial year, you know, in the build up to June 30, we're kind of scrambling, looking at our books, working out exactly what we think our profit will be mm-hmm. and then we make our final donation just before the end of the financial year where we estimate what our profit should be, and then we're essentially donating half of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we can adjust that once the financial year ticks over, but it means that we can get that donation out before um, that profit would effectively be taxed. Yep. So WaterAid then take that, um, at the moment, use that for their projects in Papua New Guinea, which is the, the region that we've been focused on um, as Australia's closest neighbour. And um, Basically, um, they implement something called community-led total sanitation, where they go into a village, they uh, look at um, what's required in that village, they start educating the people in the village around the importance of sanitation, clean water, um, hygiene, washing hands, all of this stuff that we sort of take for granted Um, in the West Mm -hmm. and then um, allow them to come to the conclusion of what they'd like to do, assuming that's around building toilets and putting clean water in, they then help them to raise the capital necessary to make that happen, skill them up so that they can physically build it and maintain it themselves moving forward, which is really important because if someone isn't there to be able to look after it and maintain it and that ownership doesn't exist, then it's something that won't happen over the long term. And, um, and then build typically um, drop toilets that are composting, um, turn, you know, turn into create compost um, with a toilet top that can be moved once the toilet fills up. And that's, um, cool. that's basically the, the end of the cycle for us.
0: Now, getting this idea up and running, Simon, was no mean feat. Uh, you needed to crowdfund, crowd how much was it? $50,000?
1: Yeah, so we, we worked out that the first production run was going to cost us about $50,000, so we okay. set up a crowdfunding campaign to on, on pre-sell to in,
0: that. onto Indiegogo?
1: Yep, that's correct, yep. And? So we, um, I guess, realized that we were selling probably one of the least exciting <laughs> products that exists. <laughs> well, everyone and, needs um, it. <laughs> yeah, they, they do. Um that was about all we had going for us. <laughs> yep. Um, so, you know, we, we obviously thought it was a great idea, but we realized that we needed to have something extra to help people tell other people about what we were doing. And um, I essentially got roped into um, agreeing to sit on a toilet on a live web feed until we hit that $50,000 pre-sales target. So, we, um, we basically set up a, a, a webcam with um, me on a toilet on a pallet in our warehouse and um, started screening at 6am, I think, um, on the 8th of July in 2012. From memory, I could be a day out. And uh, we got picked up, fortunately, by National Breakfast Television here in Australia and then National Print. Um, Very luckily, also got National Print coverage across the US and we were wildly popular in Brazil and Greece for some bizarre reason. Wow. And um, I think over the, the 50 hours that... The, the stunt ran for. We ended up generating about a million dollars of equivalent PR value and had 2.5 million social media hits. And we hit that $50,000 target after, yeah, 50 long, sore, incredibly painful
0: oh, yeah. hours.
1: And, um, and I, Ended up getting some rest, and then we had a toilet paper company that was ready to go. <laughs>
0: so, so, so um, a fantastic idea. Were, were you sitting around with your, your two business partners, and that someone just put that on the table, said, "Hey, why, why don't one of us sit on the can until the money's raised?" Was that kind of how it worked?
1: Um, it was actually. It was a. We kind of put together our initial crowdfunding video about six months before we launched, and yeah, right. realized that it kind of lacked some pizzazz. So lacked we, an we idea. yeah and so we thought you know we could probably raise um um, a smaller amount of money with this but we've got quite a big goal here that we need to hit and to to make that work we actually need to you know figure out how to make this better and um at the time um we started talking with some friends about it and one of our friends um knew some guys that worked at an advertising firm called naked communications Uh and so we had to sit down with them and said hey um you know we've got this idea, but we feel like it's not quite there. And, um, and they said, well, we'd love to have a crack at this. And so we basically um, put together a deal where if they helped us to overperform what we otherwise would have done, then they'd be able to share in the upside of that um, with us essentially. Mm-hmm. And um, we put together quite a complicated kind of video and we pitched it out and we got someone to produce it for us. And um, when it came to actually putting together the script, the, the guy that was working on it, um, said, basically, it's too complex. There's too many things going on here in order to make this idea work. Mm -hmm. And when he stripped it back, it ended up looking very similar to the initial crowdfunding video that we shot (laughs) six months prior. So um, we were kind of, you know, scratching our heads about what to do. And then, um, yeah, the guys at the ad firm said, all right, we've got it. Jumped on a call and my girlfriend was overseas at the time. Mm -hmm. And they said, the video is good. All that's going to change is you're not going to get off the toilet at the end of it. Wow. (laughs) And as soon as I said that, everyone on the call knew it was a great idea. We knew it was a winner. And so I had to commit to it. And then a week later when my girlfriend got home, I said, um, there's something I've got to tell you and <laughs> it's probably not going to involve you quite a bit. And yep. um, I hope you're okay.
0: You can it. visit me. <laughs> yeah. But so, so, just so um, what, just so listeners understand, I'll, I'll put uh, I'll put these videos in the show notes to this episode. But what you've got is a video that says this is the idea behind who gives a crap, which was you sitting on a toilet on a pallet in an empty warehouse, yeah, saying we need to fill this warehouse, uh, so yeah. we're off on a crowdfunding. It finished, therefore, and then at the end, what you've said is, but I'm not going to get off the toilet until we raise the money, and then that's when you go that's to a- it. So yeah.
1: in many ways, it's a classic crowdfunding video where, you know, you, you tell the audience about your product, your background, why you're the right people to pull this off, everything that's going to do, mm-hmm. how much money you need, and then the twist is at the end where we say, yeah. and I'm not getting off this toilet until you help us to hit this target, and you can jump on our website and see me sitting on a live web feed, and this Woo! is what it's going to look like.
0: <laughs> tell me about the moment. You're on the can for 50 hours, Yeah. Yeah, so 50 from hours. six
1: AM until wow. eight AM two days later.
0: A thousand dollars an hour. I'd sit on the can yeah. for a thousand dollars an hour, but um <laughs> tell me about was there a moment how far in and where'd you cramp? Where was the main cramp?
1: Um I actually still I still have problems with my left leg on my on my thigh. Yeah. So I've done I did some fairly serious nerve damage. Um <laughs> but um funny
0: the, funny the problem not funny. was that
1: Yeah, so the problem was that I actually thought that I would end up sleeping on the ground next to the toilet and so we had like a mattress there that I could kind of crash out on. But when the campaign um, became hugely popular in Brazil, we were on um, the front page of the largest Latin American newspaper in the world, which has huge coverage. We actually had just as many um, hits coming through overnight Overnight. as we did during the day. And so... You know, obviously, people don't want to log on and, and um, to see the guy sitting on a toilet to find that he's actually asleep on the ground hugging the ball. So, um, so what we did was basically, you know, say, well, I've got to stay up. And so, I think I got about 46 hours in. Um, and I don't know if you've ever stayed up that long, Tim. But basically, you start hallucinating. Yeah. At- at that point, and so I was on TweetDeck on my computer, you know, shifting between social media. All of the little icons started turning into GIF images that were <laughs> moving around on the screen, and I was hallucinating that there was a shelf next to me to lean on. I put my elbow up to try and lean on it and then fall over because there was nothing there, and it got really surreal and pretty wacky. And. Um, Basically, um, 46 hours in, um, I jumped on Reddit and was trying to dri- drive up some, some traffic. And um, everyone on Reddit was saying, hold on, so you've been on a, a toilet for 46 hours and you haven't slept. I'm actually seriously concerned that you're getting close to going into a state of permanent psychosis and started posting these articles about someone who stayed up too long and, and lost his mind.
0: <laughs> oh, the and, things we um, do for marketing.
1: Yeah. And I, I cracked it and pulled up my pants, turned around, fell asleep on the system. <laughs> 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 and two hours later, we were, um, you know, Australia was waking up again, and we were on the home stretch from six am to eight am. So, <laughs> it.
0: So, uh, massive media curry, co- coverage and courage. Um, you, the brand is now well and truly, um, you know, embedded into people's psyche. Um, you've raised your fifty thousand dollars, and production is underway. That's how long ago? That's two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where are you now?
1: So we, we fulfilled our first um, orders to our crowdfunding supporters in um, I think it was March two thousand and thirteen, so mm-hmm. last year, about eighteen months ago, and um, <clears throat> basically we, we thought to ourselves, "This is crazy, you know we, we don 't have a supermarket, so we 're just going to be selling this online. Who buys toilet paper online? This is just you know a stupid idea, um, but we also thought that that um, we could potentially use that to our advantage. And so we wrapped each roll individually in quite a fun and unique, well-designed wrapper. We put three emergency rolls into the bottom of every box so you'd know when you're about to run out, solving the, you know, the, the age-old toilet paper problem. Yep. And, um, and we set up a subscription service. You could sign up for toilet paper because everyone's essentially got a pretty regular bathroom frequency and yep. we can predict that and get a regular delivery and you'll never, ever run out of toilet paper again. And we, um, we sent our product out to our supporters and we had about three months supply in our warehouse which would, you know, allow us to test a few things and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And um, our supporters did something that we hadn't predicted. They, they started taking photos of their toilet paper and posting it on social media. And we were getting sent these images of people's dogs jumping over um, barriers made of toilet paper and their babies playing with product. And someone sent us a photo of one of our rolls on top of Kilimanjaro. Cool. And basically... Day on day, our sales were doubling and after five days of this exponential growth, we sold out of our entire three-month supply of toilet paper. And so, we realized that there was actually much higher demand for our product than what we initially thought and potentially selling toilet paper online was a great idea. And um, it took us about three months to catch up. We, we made our first donation in that time period and, and um, when we sat down with WaterAid, we worked out that every roll that we'd sold to date was providing someone with access to a toilet for about a week, which was an awesome outcome. Mm. And then, um, basically, we started selling consistently in July 2013. Um, We had 23% month-on-month growth for the next 12 months, so grew incredibly quickly. And um, basically, we're just constantly trying to catch up with what was happening because we were growing so fast. You you um, don't –
0: the subscription model is really interesting. That's like Dollar Shave Club. Um, Yeah. You know, um, is is most of your business – uh, or what percentage of your business are on a subscription?
1: Um, so we have uh, – we kind of think about it in terms of of revenue, I guess, mm-hmm. and our subscribers at the moment are about 25% of our business.
0: Um, Would you want regular. to grow that? Is that obviously something you want to really build yeah,
1: out? Yeah, so have you – I mean, subscription is an incredible business because you um, obviously have repeat customers, which yeah. means that they're much more valuable to you than – someone who just buys from you one-off um, and you know that they're going to come back. The other great part of it from an online perspective is that you can figure out essentially what that customer average value is mm. and then you can spend money to acquire customers that as long as it's less than that average value, means that your company's going to grow. So subscriptions are really awesome and that's um, something that we're going to be working on a lot over the next six to 12 months, mm-hmm. um, but we've got a few other things in the pipeline as well.
0: Because I'm looking at your pricing page now and you don't, I you mean, you, can't, you don't make a song and dance about the subscription model. Um, no. And you probably could, couldn't you? I can imagine that being like just, I mean, telcos like subscription. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, then we're, all on, we're all on phone plans and I love the idea of subscription for you guys because it just seems to, yeah, we, yeah. It, we, we always, we'll never run out of toilet paper.
1: And from a business perspective, it's, it's awesome as well. So, we, you know, we've done a lot of work figuring out how to make that a great experience for our customers and we're now going through the stages of um, really refining that from a, a customer experience point of view and then we're starting to ramp up what the, the sales side of it looks like.
0: Uh, two silly questions. Did you go to the toilet during those 50 hours?
1: <laughs> I did and I actually get asked this a lot. Um, <clears throat> but basically, the um, fortunately the webcam kept on breaking because we'd get reported oh, for like a pornographic material or, or whatever. Um, and so whenever that happened, I'd stand up and stretch my legs and run to the bathroom. So it was happening about every four to six hours. Which that was, sounds
0: very was convenient, convenient very Simon. <laughs> uh, my other silly question, as <laughs> if I don't ask silly questions anyway. On, on your video, you said it's got a low PTR, a low poke-through rate. Yep. <laughs> Is that really a measurement of the quality of toilet paper or were you having a joke?
1: Oh, that, was, that was a bit of a joke, but it is certainly something that we look at when we're doing our quality control as well. Oh, yes, yep. yes. And how
0: does one test uh, the poke-through rate, out of interest?
1: Um, this is, this is, we're getting quite technical now. Go. But, um, paper fibers essentially work in one direction. And the tricky thing about recycled paper, which we're obviously very big on, is that when you pulp paper fibers over and over again, they get shorter and shorter and shorter. And to give paper strength, those paper fibers have to overlap. And the greater the overlap, the stronger the paper is. But because it's in one direction, it means that when you pull any paper sideways, it's easier to break than when it's pulled in a lengthwise direction. And so the poke through rate is essentially that um, the tensile strength of the, Jeez. you know, the. The Sideways direction.
0: <laughs> hey, you know your poo ticket, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> what can hey, I say? <laughs> I, exactly. Hey, um, now let's talk. Uh, we, we, well, we've been talking about marketing, but I just want to. I, I was showing my wife. My wife's into all this kind of stuff. Soph loves. Um, she's got a very strong conscience, and um, she hadn't heard of it. And in fact, I hadn't heard of Who Gives a Crap until one of my listeners very kindly seated me with a box of it a few months ago. And I I just feel like more people should know about it. Do you feel that way? Yeah, of course. <laughs> okay, so, okay, well, of course you do because you're the founder and the creator, and you want to make a bigger difference in in third world countries. But yeah, um, and you don't have, of course, you don't have the budgets of the sorbents and the kleenexes of the world. I get that, but I'm just trying to figure out why, why hasn't it got. Uh, even a name like Who Gives a Crap, I feel as though I should have known about it before I was sent some. Hmm. What's missing? If I? Uh, you, yeah, you obviously feel that way about it. What can we do? Uh, hopefully getting on this show, we could give you some exposure, but what could we do? What are you doing to really you, – you need another viral video, don't you? Or something that puts it back on the map.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, the interesting thing for us is we haven't spent any money at all on marketing and advertising. So all of our growth has been viral. And that's essentially through uh, incredible supporters and customers who um, buy boxes of products and they give rolls away to their family, their friends and their work colleagues. Um, And so that's what we've relied on to date. And because we grew so quickly initially, and it was literally Um, just me sitting there fulfilling these orders initially across two countries because we're in Australia and the US. It took us a long time to catch up. And now we've kind of got to the point where our systems are better down. Everything's working really well as a business. Mm. And we're starting to think about what that next piece of the puzzle is. And yeah, you know, doing another viral video would be absolutely awesome. And we're looking at other potential um, avenues that we're interested in as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, What about, you're an online business. What about affiliate uh, sales?
1: Yeah, so affiliate sales would be good. Um, we I think we're quite keen on having a look at um, Facebook advertising. I think would be really interesting. We've mm-hmm. we've done a little bit of um, playing around with with AdWords and a few other um, resources. And then I think if we can, what would be awesome is if we can figure out how to encourage our supporters, who are obviously very passionate about what we're doing already, mm-hmm. um, to tell other people about what we're doing. So if we can somehow incentivize them in a way that um, they're excited by as well I think that would be a real winner so figuring out how to crack the the nut on the viral growth which has already happened quite naturally mm-hmm. but to really kind of accelerate that and get um yeah get that get that working incredibly well
0: there's a couple of great examples of just past guests that I reflect on that might be worth I'll, I'll shoot you away but one is the guys from Black Milk Clothing are doing some amazing stuff in building the tribe who just kind of believe so strongly in their product the other one um, is, oh, I was going to say, obviously, Daniel from Thank You, but the other one is, and it's just skipped my mind. Damn, damn. The The idea of, oh, it'll come to me if I stop trying to think about it, the idea, it's, it's funny to say, yeah, we need another viral video, because viral video, you don't sit down mm. and go, let's do a viral video. <laughs> like, they kind of just, they develop a life of their own, don't they?
1: yeah and the the thing about them is that they're very very difficult to create to get something to go viral is is not an easy task at all Mm. um and i think that you know that's that's it's easy to say oh yeah we should just create a viral video exactly but but actually making it happen is yeah it's a a very big endeavor
0: frank body scrub in fact they're around the corner from you they're in Cremorne or richmond and um the girls from frank body scrub another online business um have got do you know them
1: um, we've, we've, we've emailed, um, but we should catch up actually. They would be really
0: good to talk to you. There's yeah. this community building and again, uh, Rebecca from street, which is another social business. There's quite a few in Melbourne. I don't know. I mean, i just, I'd love to see your brand have a much higher awareness. So when I walked out on the street and said to 10 people, top of mind, give me a toilet paper brand. <laughs> um, at least, you know, three said, who gives mm. a crap? Mm. It just deserves it, mate
1: yeah no it'd be awesome that's certainly what we're working towards <laughs>
0: yeah hey before we finish so just wrapping numbers around where you're at what are you you're two years in um yeah i mean we've been consistently selling
1: products now for just under 18 months so we kind of look at our you know okay. our real kind of lifetime as 18 months uh, yeah.
0: so what was your donation at the end of uh the financial year end of june 2014 and how many staff how many roles are you selling give us some numbers
1: um, so we're, at the moment, working with three full-time staff with a fourth staff member joining us um, next month, which would mm-hmm. be fantastic. One of the original co-founders coming back to work with us. you on a roll. And, um, <laughs> and um, the... Um, What's been really interesting is figuring out how to make that donation side of it work. So we haven't disclosed what our total donations are, but instead we look at the you know the individual impact, and we're still working to that every role is providing someone in the developing world with access to a toilet for one week metric. Mm-hmm. Um, what was really interesting is when we kind of looked at our our growth, we found that um, basically um, from our first donation to our second donation. The, the size of the donation grew by about a factor of ten, mm-hmm. and we're actually looking at another ten times growth over um, over this next financial year as well. Wow! Um, so that's been pretty awesome because you know obviously growing revenues one thing, but growing profits and and for us donations is another, um, and so that's where we're yeah where we're focused I guess. Um, number of roles now is is fairly astronomical um we're still obviously growing very quickly i think this month we will have brought in um just doing the maths quickly on the top of my head about four hundred thousand rolls to our warehouses mm-hmm. um we're warehousing across four states in australia which gives us next day delivery to um about 70 percent of australians for free and um yeah it's um going really well. We're a pretty serious toilet paper
0: company. (laughs) You are, are, mate. And now uh, I'll leave it to you to uh, suggest to listeners what they should do.
1: (sighs) What they should do in terms of what are you thinking? Subscribe. (laughs) (laughs) Well, everyone should definitely have a Who Gives a Crap toilet paper subscription. So you can jump on our website, which is whogivesacrap.org and then select your product. There's um, a few different delivery frequencies that we suggest based on the size of your family and then we email every customer before every delivery to check if they're ready and if they're not they can delay their frequency and we can adjust it to make sure it's bang on perfect moving forward so that they will never ever run out of toilet paper again
0: love it mate you can never you can never have enough hey uh simon well done mate on who gives a crap and i look forward to seeing it develop into the future and in your own words at the end of one of your tedx talks bottoms up to a better world Thanks, Tim. Ah, oh, you gotta love a good toilet paper seller come social entrepreneur. Do you enjoy that? I did I did. He's doing good stuff. He's doing real good stuff. I got a top three learnings from that interview thanks to net registry and ninety nine designs. Number one, I do love the subscription based model of selling. The telcos are known this for a long time. They've all got us on phone plans. The internet service providers have known this for a long time. Gym owners have known it for a long time. So it kind of begs the question, what kind of subscription-based model could you introduce to your business? And don't say, oh, my business isn't suited to that. Open your mind up. See what you come up with. Number two, what's your viral video? I'm not one for every business should have a viral video. Then there'd be no such thing as a viral video, but... It's kind of interesting to reflect on what would be your viral video. If you want to have a re- listen to a really great chat, go back a few episodes to Melissa Coker, who created the world's most viral marketing video called First Kiss. Amazing, amazing story. She never set out to create a viral video, but it changed her business overnight. So what's your viral video? And number three, learning from my chat with Mr. Who Gives a Crap. Encourage word of mouth. I don't think we do it enough, but encourage people to talk about you on Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn. Ask them to leave some feedback or a comment or a statement or a testimonial. You know, It's great when they do it voluntarily, but if they're not, encourage them. Nothing wrong with that. What did you learn from that interview? What little marketing nugget, dare I say, did you learn from Simon and Who Gives a Crap? Head over to the show notes for episode 218 at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com and tell me because I read them all, I respond to them all, and in fact, I get my guest to respond to any comment you leave. Do it. As I said before, the interview team, there is plenty happening inside the Small Business Big Marketing Forum. I ran an exclusive webinar for members last week, with um, a past guest, Amanda Stevens, who's an internationally renowned speaker. And Amanda and I ran a QA and a session about speaking from stage and how to integrate speaking from stage into your marketing strategy because it's an incredibly powerful way of doing things. And not enough small business owners do it because many are scared of it. So we worked through a few of those blockages. It was a live webinar uh members could ask questions. They'd also posted a whole lot of questions that Amanda and I answered. It was a lot of fun. I've recorded it, and it's sitting inside the classroom section of the Small Business Big Marketing Forum, along with a whole lot of other training. Many of you send me emails saying, hey, what else is in the forum, Timboo? And I'm just going through it now and telling you some of the topics we talk about. Basically, it's a place for you to post questions and for me and other members to answer. So looking at it now, someone's looking for feedback on their website, someone's looking for feedback on a blog article they've written, someone else is looking for a virtual assistant and a copywriter, Um, someone's sharing some book cover designs they got on 99designs uh, and we're giving feedback on that. Uh, Someone has got a shop opening and we're giving feedback on that, someone else is asking for help required from those, okay, from those experienced in design. So just lots, lots, any question, any question you have about marketing, that's what the forum's for. Think of it as insurance, having a marketing consultant on call to answer your questions. Head over to crankmymarketing.com and you could be in there quicker than you can say, crankmymarketing.com. Righto. Nearly there, the marketing train of gold is nearly pulling in to the station. But I've got a marketing, an inspirational, a motivational marketing quote of the week. This one is from keynote speaker, marketer extraordinaire, Chris Brogan. I like this one. It's not that motivational. It's just factual. It's just like, yeah, you should. Chris says... No matter what, the very first piece of social media real estate I'd start with is a blog. Yeah! Not Facebook, not Twitter, not LinkedIn, not Google+, not Pinterest, not Instagram, not Snappy, Snapchat. No, get a blog. It allows you to express your opinions it's a fundamental way of being a helpful marketer. Blogs are ace. I've got a blog, smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. You can check me blog out there. My mate, Lukey, wrote a very good guest post on uh, Facebook ads on, on my blog last week, actually. It's doing quite well. Google love blogs. Blogs have been around since the internet started, but they're good. So there you go. That's my motivational quote of the week. Righto team, that brings us to the end. Almost. Let me tell you who I've got on the show next week. Steve Huey. Ever heard of him? I hadn't. Never. Not until someone brought him to my attention. Steve was a corporate high flyer who loved helping people with their frequent flyer points. So he started a business called, wait for it, I Fly Flat. <laughs> Got to love that. He's going to tell us all about it next week. Tell us how to fly flat as well. Love that. That's at the pointy end of the plane, you know, where they've got beds. Hey, a big thank you to Net Registry. Get your online marketing sorted and 99designs.com forward slash SBBM for a very, very special and exclusive listener offer. Get stuff designed. Make your brand beautiful, team. Love to see you inside the Small Business Big Marketing Forum. That's where us motivated small business owners hang out. We talk marketing. We push each other. We hold each other accountable. We'd love to welcome you in there with open arms. Head over to crankmymarketing.com. And I reckon that's it. May your marketing be the best marketing of all time. I've been your host, Timbo Reed, and you've been listening to the number one marketing show in the country. Well done to you. See ya.
1: You've been listening to the Small Business Big Marketing Show with Tim Reed. Want more marketing goodness?
0: Then visit smallbusinessbigmarketing.com.